how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. And then I go highlights the cruel world of junior high. The protagonist, Edwin, suffers from anxiety and alienation, along with his only friend, Flake. Together, they come up with a terrifying idea to get vengeance. The story comes from Jim Shepard's novel, Project X. The book and film showcases an unflinching look at adolescence through childhood friends and an effort to find belonging, even when it means life or death. In this interview, director Vincent Grishaw discusses his passion for film at an early age, how writers can grow out of material, the tipping point for a character with elevated emotions, how to make a story truly relatable, and the importance of focus, lighting, and point of view to highlight the headspace of a protagonist. Make sure to also check out our interview with the screenwriter of this film, Britt Haley, back in episode 29 when we spoke about the hero. You know, for me, it was, it was the movie that I was watching when I was around 12, 13 years old, where it really started, which was, I think, one of the first movies that I was like, oh, it's funny. And it, it, I, I started understanding, like, filmmaking was a, a Bronx tale. And then, you know, there was a, a time period from, I'd say, like, 95 to 99, where all those movies I was watching really kind of informed. And I started understanding, like, the creative process and on my own. I was, you know, 13 in 95 or 14 in 95. So I was, I felt like the creative juices were spinning. I, I, I saw it, you know? And so I, I really liked it. And I felt like I was understanding like, you know, filmmaking aesthetics. And so I just really started making videos with friends and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't partying or, or I, you know, I liked girls, but I was too nervous to ever like, get into that and I wasn't drinking or any of that stuff. So I was just making videos and playing hockey. And, um, I think by the time I graduated high school, I, uh, I had made like a world war two movie, like a feature with a bunch of like real guns and, and you know, world war two and antique guns and real shooting, real ammo and blank ammunition when we were shooting at each other. My dad was like the only adult. And, uh, it was like a 70 minute feature in the middle of nowhere, we spent like a weekend shooting and sleeping in cars and, um, in Cherry Valley, which is kind of on the way to Palm Springs. And, uh, 
yeah, it was like one of those things where I was like, yes, I'm getting out of high school now, I'm not going to film school or college, and I'm just going to be a filmmaker. And like totally naive to what it actually entails. You know, I'm just being really young and excited, but, you know, didn't know shit, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I feel like my entire 20s was like learning contract law and getting screwed over and you know figuring out like who to trust and who not to and you know um writing and figuring figuring it all out so i see uh, several shorts on your imdb page I also see that you've worked as a camera operator as well as a director how did you kind of first make that transition to make your first feature cold water well i mean cold water was the the, the script i wrote when, it, when i graduated high school i wrote this script and it was a di- totally different type of movie at that time. It was a different title. and uh, But I essentially, like I said, I got out thinking, all right, I'm going to go make movies. And I met some people that wanted to get it made as well. So we tried to raise money and um, uh, spent a long time trying to make that movie. Almost got it made like three different times. Um, so by the time, I'd say it was 2012, many years later, like I said, um, the, I got the chance, the, the, this guy who I knew is an investor and he was in the music business. He was, he saw the sort of success that I had with Bellflower and, you know, asked me what I wanted to do. And I didn't really, have, I had my old, I pulled water the script as well. And I didn't, didn't really have anything else right away. I was like, Oh, I have this movie. I, you know, try to get made over the years and he read it and loved it. And wanted to do it so yeah it wasn't you know after going up and down and movies falling apart with that over and over i just closed the book that book on it and and when that opportunity came i was like well shit you know it's like if you ask a musician to record an album 10 years later and they're like no i don't want to i'm not going to sing that i wanted to record that 10 years ago i'm a different person i you know i grew out of that i didn't want to necessarily say that story anymore but, you know, I'm not going to turn down an opportunity to make it. And I saw it as a, as a way of closing that door in my life and kind of finally <laughs> you know, winning in that battle. Uh, and so I kind of had to really fall in love with it in a way. And, you know, and so I did. And that's how that movie finally came and came to fruition. Well, let's talk about your new film. How did you? Uh, so, Cold Water is about a uh, juvenile reform facility. There's obviously a lot more to the film. But what can you tell us about your new movie, which is also about uh, some teen social pressure and that kind of thing? The film, and then I go. Yeah. So uh, you know, both of them uh, are you know they're socially conscious type of films. Deal with reality subjects you know, that are issues in, in reality. Um, but at, at its core, and then I go is about two friends that have known each other their whole lives. And, um, they're in this awkward age, you know, 14 years old in junior high. And, um, you know, you follow them in, uh, through their experiences of bullying and social isolation and, uh, that sort of frustration that they all experience in, in, in school and how they're kind of just a group of two, you know, and so they they consciously distance themselves from things like social media, and um, but through them experiencing this, you, you, we kind of focus on the one of the kids who, you know, him grappling with kind of keeping this friendship together while they're planning this really horrific uh, sort of retaliation um, in their school. 
Um, I read one, this is actually about the book, but it describes the narrator, which is the main character, Edwin. He's funny, sympathetic, but he's not, he's also sometimes rude, but he's not like obsessed with games or Marilyn Manson music was the quote, but he still feels kind of homicidal or like something's going on. What can you kind of just say about these, these two main characters? Right. I mean, that's an, you know, interesting you know, question and perspective, because that's one of the things I found fascinating with the book is how it kind of stripped all those things away. You know, do you look at the way the media pointed at Columbine, how these kids were, you know, they listened to this music, they wore black or they liked this band, they wore trench coats. And, you know, you forget to kind of, you forget to go, look, these are real kids, like, or they were just overly bullied. And, you know, the interesting thing was in this book, you had, these characters that are experiencing those sort of those elements, they have access to guns uh, under their parents' bed. But what is this, where does it come, you know, the, the, that much hate uh, and this idea, you know, to do this come from. And, you know, I think kids at this age, everything is the end of the world, you know, and, um, you know, there's these tiny little things that can either resolve an issue with a kid, like as fast as they are angry about something, they could it could be resolved by just a tiny little, you know, uh, comment by the parent or, or a friend, uh, or a tiny little thing can tip it the other way, and you have a kid that's bringing a gun to school. And so I think it's important to realize as an adult, you can't tell a kid that, Hey man, you know, five years, what you're going through, don't worry about it. In five years, none of this is going to mean anything. They don't, they can't grasp that concept. They're not equipped to deal with necessarily these elevated emotions yet. And it also goes to show that, you know, the Edwin character who, you know, he, he's, he's not in the same boat as his friend. He has potential. He's a talented artist. He, you know, has people, has girls that want to involve him with their artwork. And, you know, he, he has these things. But then I think with, you know, he's known this kid as his best friend his whole life. And I think there's this inner sort of bullying even between them, you know, and, and kind of, like I said, grasping at straws to maintain this friendship is all you know. Because without him, even if you have other friends, you still can feel lonely, I think, you know. And so it, it says a lot about a kid who can go down this path with his friend and know right and wrong. You know, it's not a matter of that or being mentally ill. I think it has a lot more to do with the sort of things that everybody can relate to. I really liked what you mentioned about how they just kind of can't handle the situation because of how young they are. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, the I think there, I, th- I would see it as a metaphor where the little brother loses his ball and he kind of goes crazy. He just can't deal with this little bitty problem he has. You kind of see that as the same thing for the main characters? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the brother and their relationship, it's like, you know, he that kid is a pure kid he's a he's a kid where you know he he can be upset about his ball and but i think edwin sees him as pure normal happy and as a big brother when he is upset that he can't he 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 lost his ball and that's and you know edwin's fault in a way he took it and it was taken from him so all that he wants to do is make his brother happy and and to to the least he can do before he goes and does this thing is you know make sure he's okay and get him his ball back and uh because he loves his brother he wants him to be normal he doesn't want him to suffer the same things he does you know and so i think uh you know for me the little brothers is just more some a kid who's just a, a, a genuine kid who's you know 
you know, he's six, seven years old. He hasn't necessarily hit those moments that where things get awkward, where friends say awful things to you. And, you know, that he, you know, so he has, he has this purity to him that Edwin can, can tell and you wouldn't want him to lose, you know? There's definitely a lot of, you know, hopeful moments for the main character. I don't want to give away the ending, but the will they, won't they go through with their plan sort of thing. Can you talk about your filmmaking process and how the focus shifts and whether that's part of the story or how you think about, um, you know, the, fate, the faded background and things like that? Yeah, no, I mean, that's good. You know, it's definitely something we intended. You know, we, Pat Scola, the cinematographer and I, we talked a lot about, you know, the lighting and the, the natural lighting and the mood we wanted. Uh, it to have, you know, it has a very sort of dark, darker, moodier tone, you know? Um, but in terms of like how we position where we put the camera, there's not a ton of handheld in the movie. It's very, um, I guess you, you call it more old school theatrical or something, but we wanted you to be in Edwin's headspace. So, you, you know, there are a lot of close-ups that hold on him a lot and the camera's right there. And anytime it's on parents or, uh, teachers it's never coming it's always coming from edwin's direction the camera is either right by edwin but you would never see coverage between parents you know you would never have the camera between them two it was always sort of from edwin's area and we felt that would put you there you know we we definitely felt it would put you in that headspace with edwin because it's what it's more of a character study observance sort of point of view you know um and we just felt like that was going to work and put you there so I've got I've actually interviewed Brett Haley a few times for some of his, his other films, but this comes from a novel by Jim Shepard. Um, the novel is called Project X. I assumed you avoided that title because of the other film, but where did this title kind of come from? Yeah, I mean, that, when I got involved, it was already it was changed already to and then I go, and so I had the same question. And you know, one of the things you'll notice is in the book, you know, when it's written in quotes, you know, when there's somebody speaking, it'll be in quotes, and they'll be like blah, 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 he said, or she said. In the book, it, it, it was always he goes, and then I go, I go. You know what I mean? It was that way. So, it, you know, that it came from, I think, that sort of uh, part. And also, you know, having to do, I think, and then I go has a lot to do with this kid and the choices that, you know, the opportunities he has to, you know, make a choice and, and do something else. And I think there's a lot of elements to the ending and, and how it builds. Uh, there's many, many times this kid can kind of make a choice, you know, to, to prevent things or to tell somebody or, you know, and him not having that uh, in him to betray his friend to, to, uh, you know, and so I think there's little subconscious things he does that um, are, are calling for help but he just doesn't have it in him to, to let his friend down, you know? Um, but that's essentially, I think where the title came from. Are there other kind of like, um, other commentary about society and things? Like I noticed, for example, they break into the school and they break in later and the window hasn't been fixed. It reminded me of the, the broken window theory that if a broken window, then it can, you know, other problems can follow that basically. Are there some other ideas like that built into the script or that you want to kind of get out there to audiences? Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> I think for us, that window thing, I mean, I, I love that that you see into that, you know, that's definitely interesting. I think it it was more we ran, we ran out of um, broken uh, breakaway glass <laughs> to use. <Right. laughs> um, but, you know, that is that's a very interesting perspective there. I like that. So maybe I shouldn't have told you. 
I think, you know, it's the elements that are around these kids, you know, I mean, you have, you know, you have this, this, for example, like you have Edwin, the only time where I feel like he's really at peace where he's, he's just reflecting is when he's alone and he's laying around in a field or in this, you know, you, you, you have, you know, a lot of what he observes and, you know, there's, there's two scenes that, you know, say a lot about, about what I think the future could hold. It's like you have the, him laying in the parking lot and this, this guy is like, Hey, I'm shooting a rocket in the air. Do you want to, do you want to see it? And he's like, no. And so like, almost like kids are intuitive or guarded and, um, you know, to, to their surroundings that time more than you'd think. And, you know, but that guy had, didn't have any bad intentions. He was a good guy. And then another scene where he's laying in a in a park and he's seeing a dad and his son throw a you know a foam a styrofoam airplane and it turns into into an altercation which I think in a way confirms for Edwin that there's these totally there's a a, a lot of things outside of school and outside of you know in the real world that are just is going to be just as difficult I think it's like a confirmation in a way you know um, and so there's there's things like that and the rocket in the air and the styrofoam glider that I think when Edwin's looking at it, it's, it's a kid who wants to fly, you know, and then get out of this shit, you know, and, and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, that's, I, I think there's a, a few things like little metaphors like that in the film. I think we're out of time, but I appreciate your time today. Is there anything else you want to say last minute about the film? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I think now is the time people are really willing to, to hear, hear these kind of things, the tough, um, conversations people are willing to have, you know, you have a million, 1.2 million people doing 450 marches around the U S right now. And, um, they want to, they want to talk about this. They want to fix it. And one of the things I will say about the film is it does not take a political approach. Uh, it doesn't take a left or a right. Or a, a, you know, it's not saying gun control, uh, you know, as a solution. I think it, 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 it has elements of everything you're that, people kind of would tend to lean on, but at the end of the day, it's about uh, the real emotions that, you know, these kids go through and humanizing them. So you can learn something. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, master the freelancer mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset. Step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.